In 2013, TAC created the Harriet Tubman Award to honor members of the trucking, bus, and energy industries whose direct actions impacted those victimized by human trafficking. The goal is to recognize those whose actions help to recover someone who's been trafficked, improve the lives of victims, or prevent human trafficking from taking place. TAT's Harriet Tubman Award is presented by Protective Insurance, and the winner earns a $2,500 check, and when possible, as in not during COVID, it's presented at Protective's largest event of the year, which is the Protective 500. As you may have guessed, this award is named after and in honor of Harriet Tubman, the famed abolitionist credited with using the Underground Railroad to transport slaves to freedom. She was never caught and never lost a passenger. What a powerful woman. And it is the work of one particular modern-day Harriet Tubman Award winner whose story you will get to hear today. Hello, everyone. My name is Helen Hofer, and I'm the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT. And you're listening to our podcast, Driving Freedom. My co-host today is Laura Cyrus, TAT's Director of Corporate Engagement. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah. Hey, Helen. I am so excited to be here. As always, I love being your co-host on our podcast. And I think today, just the opportunity that we have to share and celebrate in a success story, I think is just even more special. This is really why we do what we do, because we know that this work is making a difference in the lives of actual people. We are so excited to have Arian Taylor of Ballard Trucking on the show with us today. Arian, welcome. You know, I know things are kind of crazy out there in the world at the moment, but we we thank you, just like all of our listeners, for doing uh, doing what you do and keeping America moving. But I was wondering, before we we get into the real nuts and bolts of, of what we're going to talk about later, let's learn more about you. You and I have never met. So I'm so excited to have this conversation today. Why don't you tell us how long you've been a truck driver and how it was that you got into trucking? I've been driving a truck for almost 20 years and... Uh how I got into truck driving is a little, kind of a little odd or a little bit different, but uh, my wife and I took a RV trip out to Las Vegas for the new millennium celebration. So we drove an RV out there and it was the longest, biggest vehicle I've ever driven in. I learned quite a bit going across the road. It was a nice, great trip. I learned a lot about truck stops, where to fuel and where to park and sleep and all this other kind of stuff. And we went out there to see if all the lights were going to go out in Vegas at the year 2000. And obviously they didn't, but it was a very great trip to experience the road itself. And then uh, basically looked at my wife and says, I think I'm going to drive me a truck because if I'm going to see the country, I might as well get paid for it. That is amazing. I love that. (laughs) I've never heard a story like that in terms of how someone got into trucking. Who knows what's going to happen in the year 2000, so why not be in an RV outside Las Vegas and see what goes down? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that is very uh, telling of your adventurous and courageous spirit, Arian, (laughs) to be be doing that, driving that. So kudos to you. You knew you could drive an RV. You knew you could drive a truck. So um, I love it. It's great. Yeah. An amazing, yeah, an amazing trip overall. And you actually, you still drive that route kind of, right? You still go over to the West Coast as a driver now. Oh, yes. It's usually about once or twice a month on average because it takes three days to get out there, day to reload. And but usually I'm gone for maybe 10, 12 days at the very most. Yeah, because you're, I mean, you're driving from Kentucky, so you're really covering the whole country. Oh, yes. 
my company moves a lot of uh, spirits, as one would say. We're just legalized bootleggers because that's where we move. We move a lot of whiskey, vodka, tequila, you name it, we've pulled it. So every time you go into a liquor store, there's a good chance that three quarters of the stuff that you will see, we were the ones that delivered the base alcohol to make all of that. That just seems so natural for me. My family is actually from Kentucky, and we're big bourbon fanatics and love us some good spirits. So that, <laughs> that is really fun. How did you first hear about TAT? Was it at your current company or through someone else? It was actually at my uh, current company. My boss's daughter was the one that brought it up to us, and she gathered all the drivers. And uh, she gave us a lot of paperwork to read, made us watch quite a few videos. She gave us a bunch of stickers, and, you know, we stuck them on every single one of our trucks. We stick them on personal cars, and we still keep a little small stack of stickers that even if we run into drivers or your average everyday Joe, that if they're willing to stick it on their car, kind of give them a quick overview of what TAT is all about. And I have yet to come across anyone who has not taken a sticker. Yeah, I love that. When we're at events, I mean, anyone can take a sticker. They're like, I don't drive a truck. And I'm like, do you have any windows anywhere in your life? (laughs) What is something that you remember from that first time when you watched the training? Honestly, I did not realize that there was an organization like TAT out there. And I was surprised that why isn't this promoted more throughout the whole entire industry. I understand that some companies don't like certain stickers or something like that on their truck, but something like that is great importance. Everybody takes a look up at us, whether they want to wave or just look at the driver or whatever. But if that one glimpse of looking up and you can see a TAT sticker in the window, anybody that's got a phone can definitely get a hold of TAT if they need it. That's why I think they should be just on every window in the country. Uh, I totally agree. And I think you're right. Like people were always looking up and I can tell you the entire TAT staff, we've all taken many a road trip in our day. For all of you drivers out there that have TAT stickers in your windows, if you ever see people driving by and there are people frantically waving at you, giving you the thumbs up, like high-fiving in the air, you might bet that it is a TAT staff member because we love when we see those TAT stickers, we call it TAT in the wild just really exciting. So speaking of exciting, we are here today because we really want to hear firsthand about the story and the experience that you have, Arian, that ultimately led to your nomination and the winning of TAT's Harriet Tubman Award. So I was wondering if we can kind of segue the conversation now into that particular experience for you. And if you could just take us through what that night was like. Sure. It was uh, It was in January and it was a little chilly that night, actually sitting around Compton, California, where I was supposed to deliver that next morning. And I drove in to where I was supposed to be at to unload and was doing some paperwork before I decided to take a nap. And uh, I heard a bunch of squealing tires, uh, heard a bunch of door slams, a bunch of screaming. And then next thing you know, tires are squealing off. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't know what's going on out there, but didn't pay too much mind. And about 15, 20 minutes later, there was a knock on the side of my truck. Get up and look outside. And there was a young woman that was standing out there and she was holding garbage bags full of her clothes. She had clothes around her neck. And, you know, I rolled the window down and I asked her, can I help you? And she burst into tears and said, can you take me back home? My first thought was just kind of calm her down and see if she would just get into the truck and just warm up some. What was your first reaction when you saw her, when she came up to your door? 
I was a little skittish in the beginning, but I tell you what, when you see someone break into tears and everything else, usually we've had people knock on the side of our trucks and they don't have basically everything that they own in their arms. So I knew that something was completely different about this situation. And that was enough to tell me, you know, deep in the back of my skull that I need to help her and just find out what I can do for her. Why do you think she knocked on your your cab? She knocked on the side of the truck because one, I was in an industrial area. There was not no restaurants or a convenience store or anything else like that. And the truck was running. So she knew that there was somebody in that truck. When she walked up to the truck, there's no doubt in my mind that she took a look at that tat sticker on my window. Oh, that just, it gives me goosebumps and almost brings me to tears even at this point. But you know, some points that we'd like to call out to the listeners. One is that you don't know who's looking at that sticker, right? It is there to keep this initiative at the top of mind for drivers. But like you say, that woman saw that sticker and I mean, right on it, we all know it says, do you need help? And identified you as somebody that at least would likely be able to listen to her request for help. And I think the other point to call out to listeners, you know, a lot of times when We're talking about how uh, trafficking may look, how it intersects with the transportation industry. We highlight a lot of times truck stops, rest areas, right? Hotels, motels. But like you just said, you were in an industrial area. And so I think those are two parts of this story that, you know, really allow us to, to use those as training points. So, okay. So talk us through what happened next. So she's in the cab. What came out? Well, when she finally calmed down, I offered her some water or anything that she possibly need that I had. And um, I asked her, you know, what was, you know, her story. And she she basically said, you know, it was her and her girlfriend and her girlfriend's older boyfriend. And they came down to L.A. to kind of hang out and party a little bit. And then just out of nowhere, they uh, they ran out of money. And the boyfriend comes up with this idea that if, you know, you do a couple of things and we make a little bit of money, we got to work our way back home. And that was kind of odd to me because who actually plans a trip to go somewhere and run out of money right then and there and does not have enough to actually make it home because where their home was, was only a four hour trip from LA. It's basically just a, a tank of gas that, that'll get you home. But he was wanting to do something with those girls. She basically fought this guy for two or three days saying, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I guess that particular night he got fed up and just dumped her off in that industrial park. And she was definitely in an area that she did not know and anything that happened in that particular area. And uh, after she told me, I asked her about her phone and her phone was dead. Well, us truck drivers carry cell phone chargers. So I found one that actually matched her, uh, her phone and I actually had a wall plug in socket so she can connect it into the wall and one that can fit into a cigarette lighter. So she at least had the option to call somebody, you know, back home or something like that. She had so much stuff and, you know, garbage bags and everything. And, you know, she didn't have an ID because there was a train station probably about two miles up the road from where I was sitting. And I was going to at least try to put her on a train and get her back home, but she had no ID and she wouldn't been able to get a ticket. I sat and thought, I even got on my phone and Googled, you know, women's shelters in the area. And actually there was 13 in that particular area, but I couldn't get a truck in there because uh, they were in small residential areas where we're not allowed to go. I was willing to uh, pay for a cab. Uh, I didn't want to call the police because I wasn't for sure if she was going to be a, a flight risk. So I took a deep breath and 
looked at the side of my truck and I was like, well, I'm going to call, I'm going to call this number and see if she qualifies. And then, um, I got the support pretty much instantly. And I told them the story and asked her, uh, she qualified for it. And, uh, they were like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. But they wanted to speak to her. So I gave her the phone and I stepped out of the truck and she told the people on the phone exactly her story and everything. And she handed me the phone back. And then uh, they said that they were going to try to do something, but it was a little early in the morning and they would give me a call back. Well, they called me back probably about an hour, hour and a half later and said, okay, we're going to send a taxi to where you're located and we're going to give the cab driver your phone number. So when he shows up, he's going to call you. The cab was already prepaid for. And the only thing I needed to do was make sure that she had all of her stuff and go in that cab. And that cab was going to take her to a women's shelter before they were going to try to find a way to get her home. And then sure enough, the cab showed up. I got her to the cab and, uh, she got in and I told her, I was like, I really hope that this is a life changing moment. And there's a lot of people that you want to trust and can trust, but you're just going to have to really watch your back because you never know if this will ever happen again. I, I hope it doesn't, but you never know. And she told me that she appreciated every single thing that I did. And then, uh, I called up the support again and told them that she was in the cab and on her way. And they asked me, would you like to know what happens afterwards? I was like, yes, because drivers have nothing else to do except drive and think. Had having a situation like that just happen, it's going to stay on your mind until there's some closure. And sure enough, I'd say it was probably about two days later, they called me and they said someone chaperoned her up to where she lives and uh, her family was waiting for her to receive her. And she turned around and thanked the person that chaperoned her up there. And that person called me directly and said, just dropped her off. She's with her family. And she told me to tell you, thank you. Wow. That is so powerful. And I just think like, I mean, that's why we are truckers against trafficking, because we acknowledge that the trucking industry can play such a powerful role. You're in these places where we know you can come across potential victims. Have you been in touch with her at all or heard from her at all since then? No, I did not get her phone number or or anything. I heard from her through Candace that gave me the award. And I guess Candace was able to connect with her. And even at the award ceremony, uh, she said, oh, by the way, that young lady said, thank you again. That is just amazing. And I'm sure to you meant just the world. I mean, you have this, if you think about it, just such a crazy experience, this series of events and, and how everything unfolded and the multiple hours. And it's just like, you know, even though you don't have a, a direct connection with that woman, it's like you do. I'm sure for the rest of your life, you are never going to forget the impact. So what would you say to drivers that are listening, either about how to recognize similar situations or if they find themselves in a situation like you did, what would be your advice? My advice would be keep your eyes open because it can be happening right up under your nose. You just have to keep your eyes open. Like I was in an industrial park. Yes, some of this stuff happens in front of a truck stop or even a rest area or something like that. But I've also heard cases that it actually happens in their neighborhood. So you don't even have to be on the road and this might be happening right in front of your eyes and you just don't know. I'll be honest, during my, my situation, 
I was basically clueless and a little nervous, but this was someone's child and I've got a daughter and I would hope that somebody out there that if she was even in a situation like that, that they would give her a helping hand. So I was just basically paying it forward. Your heart tells you everything that you need to do and you just need to kickstart your brain and say, okay, buddy, this is how you're going to fix this. It's just, you really just have to have an open mind and just kind of open your heart a little bit. And I did not realize that there were so many drivers, just even in my company, my company's not really big, but so many of them has expressed stories about how they might've ran across that situation before. And they just tried to do their best, try to handle it and everything else. But until we got all of the information from TAT, now we've got a better understanding of what we're looking for and everything else like that, because situations like that, it happens. And I, you know, I was ex-military and you don't have an army larger than the trucking industry. I mean, yeah, you've got armies, Navy, you know, Marine Corps, all that stuff, but you won't find a group of people larger than truck drivers because we cover every single area of the country. Arian, what was that experience like to, okay, you get, do you get this phone call to say, hey, we want to nominate you. We want you to be the Harriet Tubman Award winner. What was that experience like for you? <laughs> it's funny that you asked because it was Candace Paris that called me and she's like, well, I'm going to nominate you for this award. And she told me about the award and everything. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, is this really happening? And she's like, oh yes, this is happening. And then it was probably about a couple of weeks later. She's like, well, guess what? You won. I was like, are you kidding me? And she's like, no, I'm not kidding you. And she's like, and I can't wait to meet you. And I was like, well, I can't wait to meet you too, Kendis. This was the first time that they were going to do it in Indianapolis. And I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of a laid back kind of guy, but they made sure that you felt like a rock star when you showed up. I will I will say that. Yes. Our partners at Protective Insurance that that sponsor this um this award, they go all out. And I I was able to present the award a, a couple years ago and you're right. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Obviously again we know this is not you didn't. You had no idea about this award. That's not why you did what you did. But I think as much as the award was to recognize what you were able to do in helping this woman, it really then becomes a platform for us to share these success stories, for us to share these real life examples, and for other drivers then to start to understand, oh my goodness, like, you know, this isn't just something that, you know, I might see or that I might be able to call or whatever. It's like, it's a big deal to change somebody's life for them to just take the time to take that second look, remember the training, pull out the TAT app, right? If you don't have the app, everybody listening, download that Truckers Against Trafficking app on the app platforms, look for those red flag indicators, call that hotline, talk it through because you just never know if you are going to be the person that right is able to help change somebody's life. So... And make sure that you share this podcast. Definitely let uh, your colleagues know, your friends, your family members know about the podcast. Uh, A short resource jam-packed with information and stories that equip and empower you while you're on the job, do the job of looking out for, for trafficking and reporting it so that more victims can have that pathway to freedom. If anyone else is out there and has called the hotline number, knows someone who has called the hotline number, who has reported an incident, definitely let us know. We would love to hear your story. And we recognize that this isn't 
to like toot your own horn, but this is so that we can celebrate together. So Arian, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and what a powerful story it is that you shared today. Your experience just goes to show that this movement is working, that the trucking industry is a major player in ending human trafficking and that each driver out there, each person listening out there could play a major role in ensuring that more lives are saved, that more people have the opportunity to walk a path to freedom, to experience recovery. So if you or anyone else you know has ever made a direct impact in the life of a victim or called the hotline number, please let Tat know. Email us at tat.truckers at gmail.com with your story. Potentially you could be a Harriet Tubman award winner so that your story could help inspire others. And if you ever see some of those red flag indicators you can find on our wallet card, in the TAT video, or in the TAT app, please don't hesitate to call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-3737-888. So thank you to all of you out there who are safely and diligently delivering products across our nation, and all the while keeping your eye out for ways that you could support those who are being exploited. Because you truly are driving freedom.